Okay. Please turn to the book of First Peter. I'll be reading First Peter chapter two, verses thirteen through seventeen. First Peter two, thirteen through seventeen. Hear the word of the Lord. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live is free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Verses 13 16 here, they tell us to do one thing. Then Peter gets specific about that one thing. He tells us the reason why to do it. And then he tells us the manner or the way in which you are to go about doing it. And that one thing here this morning is submit yourself to governmental authority that is over you. Whether you're in Cuba, the Soviet Union when it existed, the United States of America, or North Korea. This week, I received an email from Voice of the Martyrs. They have a magazine, now they've got a, a website, and they send out emails, and their whole ministry is towards the persecuted church in the world, founded by Richard Vrombrand. And in the email, it says this to me this week. I am writing this email as an urgent call for you to speak up for our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who have been silenced by the Chinese government. More than 50,000 members of the Linfin Church Network in China are suffering today after an unprecedented attack on one of their many branch churches. In September of 2009, Chinese authorities raided a branch of the Linfin Church in Fushan, demolishing buildings and injuring more than a hundred church members. Weeks later, church leaders were arrested and sentenced to prison. Now the Chinese government plans to demolish the network's flagship church. End quote. And it goes on. Peter, do you have a clue? That should come to your mind. Think about it this way. He's not stupid. And when Peter is penning this in about A.D. 63-64, 
one of, if not the worst, wicked, nutty, crazy, evil Roman emperors was in power. Nero. Under whom, within the next two years of the writing of this epistle, the Apostle Paul will be beheaded in Rome. And Peter will be crucified upside down, legally, but immorally. Let's pray. Father, help us. And really, help me. And help us after we leave here today to slowly wrestle with, because this will raise ten thousands of dilemmas and questions in our minds as true believers trying to understand and obey this text. So help me speak clearly. Help us hear clearly and with a heart that is humble and wants to understand Your holy written Word to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, if we, we listen just very carefully to what's written here, I think this is what should come out of it. That the main point of this text this morning is not merely submission to political and governmental authorities in this world, no matter where you are. That's not the point, if we hear it clearly. The point of this text is, believer, it's about you living unto the Lord Jesus in the context of governmental human authorities in which we live. And there is a difference. So do not miss the radical God-centeredness of what we will see this morning. So let's go step by step and, and let the text unfold its meaning to us. Verse 13, quote, Submit, be in submission to every human institution. Stop here for a second. There are, in this world that God created, human institutions with hierarchical structure, which implies submission, which implies obedience. He's going to list a couple. He's going to get specific starting this morning. First, human government. That is, those that are over particular structures and areas that prevent anarchy and enforce laws with the tip of a sword or legal kidnapping called imprisonment. And then he's going to go on and talk about another hierarchical structure. And we'll just wait till we get there, because we'll deal with it. But a lot of these people are in the economic and political and governmental system of the Roman Empire, slaves. And therefore, he's going to say they have to submit to the masters. And there is an analogy there to an economic system that when you're working for someone, you're an employee, there's someone over you and you're going to submit. Then he's going to go to the institution of marriage. He's going to say, the woman, the wife has a role that's not the husband's. And the husband has a role that's not the wife's. There's a submission and there's a leadership. 
He says, submit to every human institution. And here this morning in verses 13 to 17, the command is, submit to governmental, civil law, authorities, law enforcement, as they carry it out. The reason he gives is not because the authorities demand it. That's not what he says. The reason, he says, is because you're a Christian. In other words, he says, because of the Lord. Or, it is a good translation to say, okay, what does that mean? Do it for the Lord's sake. So there is a type of submission in particular institutions and submission to the state of California that is not in obedience to this text. He doesn't tell us, do it when you totally agree with every little law. He doesn't say, do it when you feel like it. He says, not do it because you're going to get in trouble if you don't. He says, submit for the Lord's sake. Oh, what's that? I mean, that terminology always bugged me as a, as a Christian early on. And some of you know, there's, there's a, there was a one big bugaboo that I just did not know how to understand it for ten years as a Christian. I think I do now. You remember how John wrote in 1 John, your sins, believer, are forgiven for His Name's sake. Same structure here. What is, and then, oh, I, what are you talking about? It's my sake. Well, it is, penultimately. But that, that means not the ultimate, second to the other, but ultimately, it is for the Lord's sake. Which means, what does that mean? He forgives my sin in His name, in Jesus, in the one who purchased it, is at stake. His glory somehow is being placarded through my being forgiven of sin. Wow! So, somehow when he says here, submit to civil government for the Lord's sake, somehow he's got to be meaning for the extension of the Lord's glory is your motivation. So that, that means that somehow in the believer, our submission to civil authority means that there should be something we're pressing towards. There should be a motivation of showing how great Jesus is. How great the Gospel is. Not Nero. Not the state of California. So let's pull back now and say, okay, Think about the larger context of what Peter might be doing here. We've seen in the last couple of weeks, the verses that just came before, he's clear. He says, believer, you are a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession. And he was very clear. The implications of that, it makes you a foreigner. You're not a citizen here. You're of God. You're an alien. You're a sojourner. This isn't your home. You can hear it now. Therefore what? Does that mean we just poo-poo civil law here in the Roman Empire? And the provincial law under the Roman Empire? And the city laws if 
under the providence. Does that mean you just say, well, forget it. I'm a believer. I'm free in Christ. I'll obey what I want to obey. Does it mean that Christians ought to gather together, just kind of pull themselves apart, go off into Wyoming in some little mountain range, and build a Christian commune, and refuse to pay taxes, and be willing to defend that right? Peter's answer is no. While you're in this world, believers are citizens of two realms. You're citizens of the realm that you find yourself in. Whether Nebuchadnezzar comes and destroys you and drags you off to Babylon, now you're a citizen of Babylon. Or you just happen to be born in Cuba. Or here. And you are a citizen of heaven, of the kingdom of God's rule and reign and His values. And that's what we saw the last two weeks. Why we are, in a very significant way, aliens to the culture and the world and its values in the places we find ourselves. But those two realms that we're citizens of, they're not on a par. We should not think that. Jesus what do we do? You've got you to understand this. These are Jews in the first century. They did not like any more than any of the people groups under Soviet communism from 1917 on up until 1990 liked being taken over and subjugated by the Russians. They had their own cultures, their own traditions, and then, bam! Okay, Jews didn't like it either. What do we do, Jesus? They're trying to take our money again. They want taxes. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. And so Jesus, right there, clearly said there's some type of honor we owe to Caesar, the Roman Empire that is shown through forking over our hard-earned money. But render unto God what's God's. And then what does that mean? Is it okay, we do that here. Oh, we go to church, so we do our church. I don't think that's what Jesus means. You read the, old, read the Gospels. God is sovereign is what I think He means. He's over everything and every authority. He's not on a par with it. So when we realize the radicalness of who God actually is as He's revealed Himself in Scripture, we will realize His sovereignty. And then when we go ahead and fork over that money and that submission to civil authority, we will have a right frame of mind when we are doing it and it will be unto the Lord. Every obedience that we owe to civil law is ultimately not done apart from God. It is done ultimately for the submission we have to our great King. And every demand that the state of California makes on us, therefore, ultimately we test by the demand that our King makes over us. That's the text. When Jesus, after His resurrection, before His ascension, said to His disciples, all 
authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He meant it. And therefore, Christian submission to civil authority ultimately becomes not disconnected, but very connected to our submission and tribute to glorify the name of Christ. Not because you agree with the political, philosophical stance of the party that's in power. Whether you're on the left in our country or on the right or somewhere in the middle. But because of Christ's name. Show honor where honor is due. In verse 14, let's just read verse 13 and 14 again. Watch how specific he gets. Christian, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. The emperor is Nero when he writes that. Governors sent by him, law enforcement, provincial rulers, pro-councils, the Roman guards who essentially are your law enforcement. Now, that translates today to our situation here is be in submission to the federal government, here to the state of California in its state laws, and under the state, county, city, differing law enforcement agencies carrying that out. So why is there such a thing in this world? Why is there civil laws over society, to govern. Our text tells us, it's right there in the purpose clause, in verse 14. They're there, they're sent, all different kinds of hierarchical structures, down the line, to punish those who do evil. And to praise or affirm those who do good. Just pause for a moment. Don't misread that. Peter did not say, Hey, whether you find yourself under Fidel Castro, or whether you find yourself here in America, he did not say, whatever those governing authorities are, and whatever they say is legal or illegal, that defines good and evil. Not what he said. He made another stunning statement that's more stunning in our day and age of relativism that there is such a thing as good and there's such a thing as evil. It exists outside of civil authority. He says civil authority is there in order to enforce that. Now, here's the thing whose purpose is that there? Peter's point is not, that's the purpose of every government that has ever existed or ever will exist. 
That's God's purpose. Okay, let's get a little bit more specific by using or understanding Paul now. So go ahead and turn there. Where am I turning? Where am I turning? Romans chapter 13. Thank you. Let's go. The Apostle Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 13, first seven verses. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Just hold your laughter, okay? Because we might want to do that. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive approval. For he that is the civil authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he, the civil government authority, does not bear the sword, the power of the gun, imprisonment, and execution in vain. For he is the servant of God. The state is the avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are servants of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. End quote. Stunning. first two verses are really stunning. He says, there is no authority except from God. That's his argument for what he said to begin with. Which is essentially the same thing Peter says. Because there is no authority except from God, therefore, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And when Paul writes it, we know he is including not only imperfect, but evil, wicked government. When he's writing this, probably A.D. 55, 56. Nero's been in power since 54. You remember Jeroboam in the Bible? You just go down to the Bible. Did you say bad? Yeah, bad. And you watch how he comes into power. You watch what, what an idiot ruler of Israel he was. You think it was hard? My dad? <laughs> We're going to get a lot harder on you. And then 
the text says, quote, all of this that put him in power was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar is called a servant of God to go and destroy his people, the Jews and Jerusalem and the temple, and carry him off into captivity. One time in history was there an absolutely innocent and sinless human being prosecuted, convicted, and executed under legal government. And that person looked Pilate in the face and said, quote, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. So, Peter and Paul, they're saying that Christians under the Roman Empire and us here in the United States of America today, he's saying we are to know that God's will is His will to govern in this broken sinful world during this age with human authority structures of civil government. Human beings did not create this idea. Even though we can watch in history, we can, we can watch differing, like the Greeks and then the Romans deal with it in history and say, how shall we set it up? History is filled with that. But ultimately, it is not man's idea. It is God's. He sustains it. He has ordained it. He sets up and He tears down political regimes. And He's been doing it since the beginning of history. And He will to the end. And so yes, these government authorities that we are to be submissive to do take your money at gunpoint with the threat of imprisonment. That's what taxes are. Okay? They do that. And at times... And many times up to this point in history, these government authorities do absolutely horrid evils to people that are under them. They even behead the Apostle Paul and crucify Peter upside down. In the last couple of years, destroy unregistered churches, their buildings and their property in China. None of that is an argument that civil authority is not God's instrument to govern this sinful world in this age that we live in. Here comes the big parenthesis now. Okay, and then we'll come back. And we'll go through the, continue through the text. Have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? If you haven't, you should. You can see the first 1,500, 1,600 years of thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ being killed in torturous, brutal ways. The vast majority were killed that way because they were Christians 
and killed by legal authorities over them. Millions of people in church history and so many right now this very moment are under governmental civil authority structures that forbid them to do what God commands them to do. And may command them to do things that God forbids them to do. What we're doing here in some governmental authorities, if you're there, we come together and we meet. We obey what God specifically said. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. That's illegal in some places. To be a Christian right now in this world may mean and does mean for many brothers and sisters just to be a Christian is illegal. It's unsubmissive to the laws of their land. It's a transgression. So what does that mean? What do we deal with? Okay, let's go slowly here. Even though God's very clear, Christian, be in submission to the governing authorities, the laws of the land that are over you, He does not mean obey them when they tell you to do or forbid you to do what I tell you to do or forbid you to do and how you flip that around. He does not mean that. Why do I say that? Just because it feels good? I think there's logic to what we've seen so far. But the other reason is we have the Bible. And, and we're given examples in the Bible where God's people defied the rule of law and were approved for doing so. Remember the midwives? Look, the rule of law was the king. It was Pharaoh. It was law. You must kill all the baby boys that are born of Hebrew women. And they refused to. And that was a good thing. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Worship the idol. Well, the Ten Commandments say we can't do that. That was a good thing. They broke the law. Daniel himself in authority. He was government. Okay, some of other people in government hated his Hebrew guts with this crazy religion of Yahweh. And they got law passed. For this period of time, no one is allowed to pray to any other deity than the king. That means you, Daniel. Sorry, can't do that. We have to break that law. Peter, James, and John. There was authority structure, religious authority structure. And that was an authority structure under the Roman Empire. They had some rights. And they called Peter, James, and John and the apostles in because they had already told them, stop preaching the gospel thing about this Jesus character. And they said to him in Acts chapter, them in Acts chapter 5, verse 20 to 29, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles 
answered. We must obey God rather than man on this issue. (laughs) God directly commissioned us to preach the Gospel. You say as our authority, you can't. Problem. So, if you live in Nazi-occupied Germany in 1942, as a Christian, the law says you're not allowed to hide Jews. I say, Christian, break the law, risk your life, and hide Jewish people. So when Peter, Paul say the purpose of civil government is to punish evildoers, to affirm, to praise those who, who abide by the law, that purpose, is what he's talking about, is not necessarily every government's. And not wholly. Ever. That is God's purpose. So when governmental powers do blatant evil or command you to do blatant evil, you are to say, we must obey God and not man. So right now, something huge is going on in our country this very moment. Saying we got, you got your little internet, no one's watching it, good, okay. There's a vote going on. I don't know. We're not supposed to know. They're probably changing this law as it goes. But if it's true, as some were thinking, that in this health care legislation, that it would so tie all of health care and doctors who work under it with government, which always means now law and legal and pressure and force comes, that when it comes to the abortion issue, that doctors would be forced to, the people under their care, if they want an abortion, to have to give it. They should disobey that law. Last week we talked about how cultures are always changing. Do not measure Christian truth, right, wrong, good, and evil by the flow of what's in the culture. Okay, so I'm shocked it hasn't happened yet. But so far, the state of California has not outlawed spanking of children. But when it does, and it comes to the place where it says, you as a father and mother cannot love your children through appropriate biblical chastisement and spanking, I will break that law. And as a pastor, I will encourage you to break that law. We could talk all morning about this, right? Okay. So with that said, civil government is there to hold back the flood of evil that is within the human heart. And it's a good thing. It really is a good thing. I don't think any of us in here have experienced a week or two weeks or eight weeks 
or a month or a year of anarchy. You don't want it. Anarchy is when governmental powers are totally frozen. There is no law and there is no law enforcement. We, we've seen it. You see it. We saw it in L.A. numbers of years ago. They're called riots. When riots happen and it gets to the place, the police are gone. You don't want to live and be in that kind of a situation. Trust God. It's a good thing. You don't want to be in Rwanda in the mid-90s. Okay. That's the overall general thing that he's clear about God setting up. Now, let's go on to verse 15. He gives the reason, Christian, to why we are to be in submission. See verse 15? The word for means, that means because, here's the reason why. Submit, why? Because this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Right here. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So, people, remember last week's text. Watch your conduct, how you live, so that when the unbeliever looks at you, oh, you guys are Jesus people, and they slander you as evildoers, he says, don't give them any ground. This is directly connected to it. Evildoers, because in every society, vicious ones, okay? vicious totalitarian ones. There's actually, amazingly, some good that's always there. I don't know if a society... Well, there might be in some jungles. But I don't know if a society yet that didn't say, hey, if you just think it's okay to walk up to someone in the street for no good reason, take a baseball bat and and, and take their head off, we're going to prosecute. It's called murder. There's a core of moral law that's upheld there. That's true of your conduct. There's a reflection of it in governmental law. Don't give the appearance that because you're a Christian, you're an anarchist. You're an anti-governmentite. That's what he's saying. And you think about it. Those who know church history, it's probably already happened in here. But for the first couple of centuries in the Roman Empire, this whole idea of Jesus is kurias, Jesus is Lord? It's a huge statement. Subsequent to the the New Testament, the 2nd century, a little bit in the 3rd century, there would be times of persecution in the Roman Empire where you'd be forced legally to deny Christ as your sovereign, your kurios, the Greek word, Lord. Caesar is Lord. There might be taste of this. Look at those Christians Jesus is Lord. What are they? Anti-governmentites? Peter's saying, well, Jesus is Lord. He is ultimately sovereign. We will not cave, should not cave to say, I deny Jesus is sovereign and is Lord. Don't do that. But don't give them any grounds. In the second century, actually, one of my sons is named after him, Justin. Justin Martyr was what is known as the first Christian apologist, educated guy, philosopher in about 150. And he would, an apologist are those who argue from the church to the exterior world and for him particularly to the Roman Empire. And one of his main arguments was to the Roman Empire, you guys don't know how good it is that you have Christians in your realm. This is what Christianity does to their marriages to how they don't cheat people in business. You, and you go on, and that's his argument, on and on. You are blessed, Roman Empire, Emperor, to have more Christians 
Because it changes them to live right and wrong, which is a lot what you want. He says, so Peter's saying, look, this has to do for the Lord's sake and to shut the mouths of people. Don't give them any grounds. You don't have to give them grounds. There may be places, yeah, it's going to be contentious. I will not kill babies in a womb. Sorry. Or I will spank my children or ten thousands of other things. But I will hide Jews. Okay? But people know there's a moral issue. That's not necessarily a bad thing when you're standing for what is actually right. But when you're just a lawbreaker, and we're going to get to that because Peter gets clear. Oh, don't do that to the gospel is what he's saying. The Bible itself. That's not where I want to go. Look at verse 16 now. So here we go. Submit for the Lord's sake. Do this so you can shut or silence the mouths of those who would speak against you. It's just lawbreakers. And now he says, Christian, watch your heart in this issue. This is how you are to go about it. Verse 16. Live as, but that kind of message. Here's the flow, literally, of the text. Submit to authority. Now, verse 16. How? How? As free people. Submit as free people or people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as slaves of God. You're not slaves to Nero or the Roman Empire. You're slaves of God. You're free. Therefore, submit as free. Because there's nothing greater than being freely a slave of God. Don't use it as a cover-up for evil. Don't miss it. The two verses just came before last week's sermon. We're in a battle. What's the battle? It is a battle with the passions of our flesh. Remember that? We have a sin nature till death. Even though you have a new nature. You have been made as a Christian if you are born again in one sense, a schizophrenic. That's the battle. He's saying don't allow your passions of your flesh to deceive you on the issue of your obligation as a citizen in this world to the laws. And make excuses that really you might give a little Christian twist to it, but it's really self-centered passions of your sinful nature that you're really after in breaking that law. That's what he's saying. Cover up for evil means that deep down there's a, there's a hidden sinful agenda and desire in the midst of why I'm breaking that law. No, 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 no. I don't pay taxes because it's unconstitutional. It's not there. Income tax. 
true, but it's the law of the land now. Watch it. We don't submit ourselves as slaves to the government. We're purchased by Christ. We're possessed by God. We're His slaves. Therefore, He says, you're free. Be free now to submit. Therefore, somehow, (laughs) submitting is not in opposition to being freed in Christ. Let me just sum up then this, this flow in a paraphrase. Let me paraphrase to re, re-say everything I just said real concisely in about 20 seconds. He's saying, look, we've been born again, believer. We've been transferred from darkness to light. And he says, you're staying here on earth for a time under political and governmental regimes throughout the centuries, God has His church on earth. Stay here. And in various institutions, including government, there is a hierarchy, submission, obedience, etc. You're foreigners. That's true. You have other doctrines and other values than the world. That's true. But as Romans 6 argues... You're no longer a slave to sin, to passions of the flesh. Therefore, we submit. There's a general principle here. We submit to civil laws and law enforcements which God has ordained in order to punish evildoers. But we submit freely, not because we are afraid of the authority. We gladly, for Jesus' sake, the Gospel's sake, submit. Our hearts say, yes, it is a good thing that there's not anarchy right now where I live. Thank God. And then verse 17, he restates everything. He does it, Ronnie. Okay, so we're doing it. He restates it. Let's read it. Honor all people. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay. He's doing this. Now, I'm just going to do it because it's important here when this happens in the New Testament. This is called a chiasm. It's a Greek little way of doing so. We got little things. A lot of pastors preach sermons with, you know, they spell out a word and everyone starts with a word. Different way. What a chiasm is from the Greek letter key looks like your English X somewhat, okay? So you got four points. So there's four points to it. The first thing said and the last thing said are his emphasis. But they're said in the context of what comes in between. So notice the first thing is the word what? Here's the verb, honor. The last is what? Honor. Remember all people? Where'd that come from? It came from what he just said you know, last week. All people. Watch your conduct in front of unbelievers. You're in this world. Show every human being who are made in God's image. Honor them. Okay. There's an honor we owe everybody, no matter whom they are. Whether they're lying on the street where they live in a drunken stupor, show honor. When it comes to Nero, <laughs> who wants you to worship him? We didn't say that. 
honor. Show a type of respect. What a, the, kids, there's a respect you owe your parents in a way you owe no one else. Honor that position. But they're not always right. That's irrelevant to honor. Honor that position. So There's his main flow, but don't miss it now. Because what's in between is there on purpose. Hear the words. Honor everyone. Yeah. Honor Nero. Love other Christians. Got to feel it. This is what he's doing. Love the brotherhood. That's a lot more than honor. Oh, and fear. Not Nero. God. He's saying, here's your life blood. Love, church, love. You're part of something special now and forever. Love each other. Fear God. Now you live in this world. Honor everybody. Watch it. Honor them. Honor the authority. So, as I close in, I think this gives us three things as, as believers to wrestle through, to, th- to think about, and you'll think about them. And you have to wrestle. And, 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 and I understand this is gonna, there's 10,000 questions that are going to come out of this. So, maybe home groups would be dynamic. I don't know. So number, number one the text is clear here as free people in Christ Jesus be submissive in your actions and have a submissive disposition to governmental authority That statement is not only made because you live in the United States of America. The text would say, say this to a Cuban Christian who is still stranded in that prison over there. Or to North Koreans. Okay? Be submissive. Have a submissive disposition. Secondly, honor, show honor, and if you don't know who Nero is, Google him. Show honor to Nero. Or to Abraham Lincoln. Show honor to that office and the person who holds it. Whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. Whether they're far left or far right, or a little bit to the left, or a little bit to the right. Honor the person because they have the office. If you feel passionately right now in this country, because we are in the midst of one of the biggest, most contentious and life-changing political, philosophical debates about law in this country right now, and especially this very moment going on in Washington has been going on for a year that may culminate right now this morning. If you feel passionately against the agenda of having more 
governmental authority over your lives. Well, you feel passionately for it. And you want this health care law to pass. Then you, God has providentially put you right here in this country right now with freedom of speech to use your voices. Go for it. Have at it. Have opinions. Think about it. Okay? Left, right, go for it. But Christian, watch your attitude. Honor. Watch how you speak about those you disagree with and those whom you disagree with who are authorities over you. Show honor to Nero. Show honor to the authority. This goes... It, doesn't, it goes for those who are on the far left and it goes for those who are on the far right, especially when I say far. There is a way you could speak about other people that is not obeying this text. And there is a way you could say the same content and be submissive to this text. One way to honor people in this context here, whether it's a friend or whether you're speaking about a president of the United States, this will go for a few years ago, just listen to those on the left, the kinds of absolutely nutty, crazy things and, and motives they would attribute to President George Bush. And the nutty things that many people on the right attribute to President Barack Obama. Watch it. Show honor. What I mean by this, one way you honor people, friends or those in authority, if they're not around and you're speaking and you're giving your opinion, try to pretend, think that that person is sitting here listening to me give their side. Work at saying, if that person were there, I want that person to look at me and say, yeah, that's pretty much my position. Now you tell why you disagree with it. Instead of building up straw men and dishonoring the people's person. And when, when they're in office, dishonoring the office and the person who is holding the office. It is not reflecting of the Gospel of Christ. And so, I'm just I'm going to be real crystal clear. I, I'm not real clear. I'm going to be a little. I'm going to let you decide here. But we live in a day and age with radio. We live in a day and age of talk radio. And look, those of you who know me, I love talk radio. But as in what we all we tend to do, whether you're looking at your TV set and your particular cable channels, your particular radio programs, magazines, blogs that you read. We tend to, just the way human nature is, and we should do some of the other because you want to hear from those you disagree with, but we tend to uh, like to hear from those whom we agree with. Okay. And so as you, as you look and you're listening and you're being influenced by and content-wise, don't just stop there. Ask this question. What's the tone in which it's delivered? If you don't think that's important... I don't know what 
I've got a hundred thoughts going through my head. It's important. Parents, don't we know that our tones in the home, our kids pick up? And then it starts to bug you and you start to see, oh my gosh, it's reflected. Oops. This is personal. Okay. If you've got choices between a position that makes sense to me, objectively, I, here's my position. Listen to the tone and ask the question, do you want to be influenced by that dishonoring tone? If there is one there. That's the second. Finally, third. This text is a gift to every believer in this room this morning. It is the gift to constantly remind us of our remaining sin nature. Worked out this way. It's a gift to constantly remind us of our inborn nature of anti-authoritarian disposition. Let's pray. Father, may You grace the thinking, the wrestling with. May You, through time, interaction, Bible reading, grace with answers to questions that feel unanswered in the minds of Your people. But above all, no matter where we're at in our life, as we and Your people right now are finding ourselves, may this one thing be true. Still struggling with this, but I do know this. I want to understand His meaning and I want the grace of God to submit. Father, do that for us. Make us a more submissive people to Your holy Word by the power of Your Spirit, even in the midst of whatever civil authorities we find ourselves under. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please stand.